Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater. I'm Rachel Olson. And today we are talking about hearing. Rachel, I remember as a kid having hearing tests. Do they still do those in school? It's been so long. Do they still do hearing tests? They do. Yeah, they do. Well, you know, I know that they test us for hearing, but there are still some opportunities for us to really listen. Do they test you for listening? (laughs) They don't because my kids passed all the hearing tests, but I can tell you they don't always listen. Well, you know, we're all guilty of that, aren't we? There are so many times when my poor husband is talking to me, and I'm just going to admit it, I look at him and my mind is on something totally different, especially, you know, if he's talking about something that is uh, about fishing, I'll hear, I caught a big (laughs) one, and then I don't hear any of the details afterwards, because I am thinking about something else. Do you ever do that? Yes. Yeah, my mind wanders, or I'm not, like, you know, as interested in the topic as whoever it is that speaking is. And so they uh, kind of talk past my point of interest, and my mind wanders off in something else. And, you know, or, or we're just engrossed in something. It's terrible if I'm on my laptop, you know, and, and somebody tries and comes to talk to me, because then I'm trying to multitask and do, you know, email, answer an email, and answer them at the same time. And mm-hmm. we just get distracted. Well, here's what I've learned. Here is what I've learned. When you said the word multitask, I have learned in my 57 years that multitask is a figment of our imagination. It it is not real. It does not exist because when we try to multitask, we don't do any of the tasks well. Would you agree with that? Oh, totally. Yes. (laughs) Oh, and I'm I'm awful about it. I always think that somehow it's going to be different, and I'm going to get it all done at the same time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it never goes that way. And so you know, sometimes I think we're just too busy trying to do too many things at once. And sometimes I think we just fail to unplug from whatever we're engrossed in uh, long enough to switch gears and deal with the what seems like to us, you know, an interruption. I can remember when I was young, my dad would read the newspaper every day, and uh, he was always home, almost always, when I got home after school, and that's when he would be at the kitchen table reading the newspaper. And I would come in, and I would want to tell him about my day, and I'd sit down at the table, and I couldn't see his face, because all I saw was, you know, the front page as he's got it held up in front of him. And I would be, hey, Dad, and he would usually say, you know, hey, Sugarfoot. And I would sit down and start talking to him, probably about things that didn't interest him, like what happened with Susie and John that day by the lockers or, you know, what was going on in my history class or whatnot. And I started to notice that, you know, Dad wasn't really listening. He would sometimes throw out the occasional, "Mm -hmm." mm-hmm. But then to test to see if he was listening, I would throw out more and more outlandish things like, Dad, I know I'm only in ninth grade, but um, I I hate to break it to you, but I'm pregnant. And I would get no response, you know, and I'd be like, he's not listening. And so then I would push it even further and I'd be like, there was a bomb that went off at school today. Half of my classmates died. I'd get no response. I would get a, "Mm mm-hmm, that's great, Sugarfoot. Oh, I love it. And I 
knew, you know, Dad loves me, and he does care about my day. He just is not unplugged from whatever article that he's reading long enough to listen to me. So I would just pop up and get a snack and figure I would talk to him later. But, you know, for me, it's not the, the newspaper I'm holding in front of me like in my dad's generation. Now it's, you know, the laptop or the cell phone. That's a great story, and it's a, and it's a truth. You know, sometimes we think as the, the older generation, we think, well, these kids and their cell phones, but we've all done it. And even our parents did it. Just, I'm glad that you pointed that out. The whole newspaper or the TV and the remote, hearing and listening is such a a commodity that we just don't see that much of anymore. And James 119 told us, I mean, even in Bible times, it must have been something that we've struggled with from the beginning of time, because it says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. And so maybe today, as we're talking about hearing, we really need to focus in on the things, I think, that distract us, the things that keep us from really tuning in. And let's be clear, Rachel, there are times when you have the freedom to tune in, but there are other times when you really don't. And so it's recognizing those times when you say, okay, I have undivided attention. For me, I remember my youngest daughter plopping in, much like you just described. She would come in from her high school days, and I knew that at about 11 o'clock, 1130, I needed to be totally unplugged from everything else because she wanted to sit on the couch with me, look eye to eye, and tell me everything, everything about Mm. her day. And, you know, I remember thinking, you know what? There's nothing on this planet that is more important right now than spending the next hour listening to my baby share her world. I think that's so true, and I think that's so key um, to maintaining a healthy, you know, mother-daughter or parent-child relationship. And I think when you establish those habits, you know, early on of sitting down and giving your child attention and listening to them, then they do um, become more likely to continue talking to you about everything, you know, when life gets older and more complicated and when a lot of teens stop talking to their parents. So I love that you did that, although I will be, you know, perfectly honest. I do hear a lot of parenting advice today that is, you know, just constantly encouraging us to to always give our, our children our full attention. And, you know, it's just not always feasible. Um, so I, I don't want any, any you know, parents out there to feel like they can't ever read the newspaper um, or they can't ever take care of, you know, a task or something work-related, you know, but it's important to listen to your children and make them uh, feel seen and heard. Uh, but I do think we can go overboard with that because the reality is, is life, you know, their teachers, their bosses, the people they interact with are not necessarily going to give them that same amount of attention. So Ooh, yes. sometimes we have to learn, you know, how to, ha- how to handle that when we're trying to get someone's attention and can't. Absolutely. You know, that they call that the, the princess syndrome where the child has been told that the whole world revolves around them their entire life. So when they get mm-hmm. out into the world, they really can't handle it. So it's that's true. Mm-hmm. But today we're talking about hearing and listening, and that goes beyond just parents and kids. 
I mean, that even goes to, well, you and me, Rachel, you and I, when we sit down to talk or we sit down to share something, there is a a responsibility to say, okay, I'm going to be totally in. I'm going to make a choice to purposely listen. So for me, when I decide to do that, I know I have to turn my phone down or off. If I want to get really radical, I turn it off and I put my iPad away. And you know what my husband told me? We went away for a few days and I barely got my electronic gadgets out. And he said, when it was all over, he said, I really want to thank you for that. You really paid attention to our relationship and that meant Mm. a lot. Well, you know, as our attention gets more and more divided and and pulled and we become more, you know, distracted and engrossed in various things, attention really does become a um, rare commodity and it becomes a gift that you can give someone Mm. in today's society is to give somebody your full attention. Absolutely. That's that's pretty powerful. And you know what? It's... um, inexpensive <laughs> it's a the world's most inexpensive gift is to just put down what you're doing and look at the person in front of you who was there to um, ask you something or communicate with you and just give them your attention it's almost like a uh, mindfulness practice isn't it to be present with the people who you're with it really is you have to make a decision to do it and it's it has to be something that you consciously choose to do Because I'll tell you what, with the social media today, even in work, I know in the work world, we are constantly looking at Facebook and and Twitter and Pinterest, and we're trying to decide, okay, the people now are interacting in this social world, so we need to be involved in that. But then what happens? Before you know it, an hour's gone by or two hours have gone by, And you don't even realize how much time has been taken from your day. And really it's, Mm -hmm. it's more, you're just surrendering it. You're, you're, you're just surrendering your life to all these other things that now demand 10 seconds here and 10 seconds there. So it is a conscious decision when you say, wait a minute, I've got to put it down. I, I am not going to check my email for two more hours. I mean, you can make those kinds of decisions where you are focused in on the person that's right with you right now. You know, and for some people, maybe it's not, you know, their emails or their phones. For some people, you know, it might be television. It might be Netflix, which, you know, enables us all to binge watch show after show after show. You know, Mm -hmm. it's so easy to spend your weekend you know, on the couch <clears throat> watching eight episodes of, you know, what whatever your, your fancy might be, um, rather than, you know, talking with the spouse who's on the couch beside you. Or, you know, rather than, you know, talking with God. The challenge before us is how do we quiet down the background noise of our lives enough that we can focus on what's important and hear from the people that are important. And that includes our family for sure, but it most certainly includes God. Absolutely. And that is why James even started talking about that. I mean, he was telling us that 
you know, a lot of times when we aren't listening, it's because we're so busy formulating the next thing we want to say. Mm. So I'm so guilty of that. We all do it. See, I just interrupted you. <laughs> <laughs> we all do it. And, you know, in the Bible, James is telling us that be slow to speak. Like, I love to think of my sister-in-law or um, Mary at church, who is so in tune with God that they don't let their mouth open. You can see them processing like almost a constant prayer before they ever Mm -hmm. speak. My sister-in-law is amazing at that. She can be, you know, someone can say something to her that if they said it to you and I, we would be like so fast back. Boy, we have an answer for that. And we know exactly what to tell them. And we're going we're gonna to jump all over that with two feet. She will never respond like that. She will yeah. sit there and look at you. And she is processing it. And you know, you know that she is taking it to the throne as she's sitting there looking at you. She's saying, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times, Rachel, in my life, I cannot tell you how many times she has seen me crash and I will talk to her and she will look at me with every bit of focus. And I know that she's saying, Lord, give me the right things to say. Give me your mm-hmm. wisdom. Help her to feel your spirit in her life right now. I mean, I know she says those things. She doesn't say them out loud, but you can see it. You can feel it in Mm -hmm. her presence, in the light in her life does that. And it's a quiet spirit. It's a quiet listening spirit. It calms you, doesn't it? Even before she even says anything or offers any advice or answers, I'm sure that just alone calms you. It does. And it reminds me that... That is a priceless gift, as you said, listening and really paying attention to the people in our lives is such a gift that we can give, but we mm-hmm. don't. I wonder if we might be slower to speak and quicker to listen if we could have a neon sign that would flash in front of us that said, your first answer may not be your best answer. Oh. You know, I, I wonder if we just had something that would remind us that whatever is on the very tip of our tongue may not need to be said or, you know, might benefit from a little percolation time I or a little prayer. It. I love it. Okay, so here's what I want to encourage all of us to do. Let's get an index card and let's write that down. Your first answer may not be your best. Your first response may not be your best one. Mm -hmm. I love that. If we tuck that away in our purse, if we pull that out and set it on our counter in our bathroom, will that help us remember? It might. uh, The good Lord knows I need something to to help me remember. (laughs) Something to create a pause between whatever the situation is and whatever it is I'm about to blurt out. Um, and, you know, it's so key. I think as you start to develop, like you were saying, your sister-in-law, your friend Mary at church, as you start to develop that 
practice of continual prayer, you know, pray without ceasing, Mm -hmm. that um, I I think when you begin to practice that, it does slow you down. And you do, it is quite natural to pause and to pray before you speak. So I think, you know, on the one end of it is being, you know, quick to listen and slow to speak, you know, to, to cultivate that pause in which you have time to consider your response and to ask God to direct it. And then I think on the other side of that spectrum is hearing from God. Um, Sometimes we go to Him and we do ask Him, can you give me your perspective in this situation, or can you give me your provision in this situation? But I also kind of wonder how many times He might have things to say to us, but because we don't have a problem we're interested in having Him solve right now, we don't bother to go and listen. A lot of times we are quick to speak to God but we're very, you know, we're, we're very quick to get, get on with our day, mm-hmm. too. And so mm-hmm. sometimes I will sit, not often enough, but sometimes when I sit and I just wait for God, I'll be reading my Bible and I will have said my part. And he, mm-hmm. is, he is checking my spirit saying, just don't get up yet. Don't get up yet. You know, and I, Mm -hmm. and the hardest thing for me, Rachel, is I'm a lot like you. We want, Mm -hmm. we want to get on to the next thing. You know, there's, there's a ton of things on my list today. And Lord, have you seen my to-do list? I need to get moving. (laughs) And he will remind me to just sit still. I've got something for you. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I have had times when I have awoken in the middle of the night and I can't get back to sleep, and and then it suddenly, like, dawns on me, maybe God has something to say. Mm-hmm. And so then I go to Him in prayer, and there have been times that He has spoken to me in those in those instances, you know, whether it was something for me or whether it was something He was giving me for, for someone else that I know, um, or for uh, maybe for a, an audience that I was getting ready to speak to. And, you know, initially I thought, you know, how great is that, that God will wake me up and, and, and tell me what He needs me to know. But after a while, I started to realize, oh, how sad is that, that He has to wake me in the middle of the night, that I, I'm not still enough and quiet enough for Him to get a word in edgewise when I'm awake. <laughs> I have had that happen, and it, but to me, that's kind of some of the sweetest time. In the middle of the night Mm -hmm. when there are no distractions and there's nobody that's uh, expecting you to do anything, I have felt that nudge, like, get up, I want want to spend some time with you. And I Mm -hmm. love it. I I enjoy that time of night. You know, when when you were saying it's, uh, it's hard for us, I got a plaque one time for my girlfriend, and I'm sure you've seen him. It says, Lord, put your arm around my shoulder and your hand across my mouth. Because sometimes <laughs> we need to know that he's there, but we also need to have him temper what we're about to say. Uh-huh. There are moments, and I used this when I was going through a time, a stretch of time, when I was having to learn how to not say the first thing that came to my mind. I read in the Bible where the lips were of Isaiah were Mm -hmm. so um, wicked, he felt. And and I just, when I read that passage, I felt like that's me because I am allowing my lips to speak before 
you have a chance to fill my mouth with the right thing. And so I did something kind of crazy and radical. I got a jar of hot sauce, a bottle of hot sauce. And every time I did that, Uh I touched my tongue to that hot sauce and just reminded myself that that's the hot coal that God is trying Uh to purify my lips so I will stop and listen. And it it helped. It it made me, it gave me a visual. I'm a visual girl and I needed Uh that. How long did you do that for? I did it for about six months. I'm a slow learner. Did you have... (laughs) Did you have any taste buds left at the end of the six months? I mine would be burnt off after the first two weeks, I'm pretty sure. Well, it's not like I would drink it, but, you know, I just would put it, I would touch it to my tongue, touch it to my lips, and it just mm-hmm. it gave me this, oh, I need to pay attention. At the beginning, I did it when I caught myself after I said the wrong thing. Mm. And then uh-huh. it made me go, wait a minute, don't say that. And so I thought about, oh, I almost said it. So I would still, you know, do it. And, mm-hmm. and eventually I got in the cycle of, ooh, okay, I don't want to say that, not because I'm afraid of the hot sauce, but I want the reminder that God is trying to purify my heart and purify my words and help me to listen to what mm-hmm. he wants to say and hear him. You know, he, all throughout the Bible, it tells us to hear his voice. And, it does. It, it, it does say, too, that Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Mm-hmm. So there is this promise that we can and will hear the voice of the Lord. And I don't mean, you know, necessarily an audible voice, but we can hear what it is he wants to say to us. But I don't know that we're always going to get woken in the middle of the night or that there's always going to be, you know, a hot coal that gets put on our lips or that there's always going to be a bush that catches fire right. and, you know, says what we need to hear. Sometimes it's going to be up to us to quiet the background noise and to to zero in and to get before the Lord and be slow to speak and quick to listen. You know, that is the whole point of our conversation today. You know, God is giving us some lessons throughout the Bible of how people listened to Jesus and their life changed radically. And he's telling us, I want to do the same thing in your life. I want you to see that when you pay attention and don't feel like you have to have all the answers, because I do. If we get in that frame of mind where we stop and we listen and we pay attention to what God is trying to do in us and how he wants to speak through us, I think, Rachel, we're going to learn to turn off the things that distract us and pay attention to God and to those around us. What would our world look like if we all started doing that. I'm confident we would find uh, many more benefits than we even could imagine. Okay, girls, that's the challenge. Today, get your index card out and write, my first response may not be my best. And Lord, I want to listen to what you have to say. Teach me to be slow 
to speak. Girls, we are all on this ride together and none of us get it right, but we are improving. And every week when we get together, we all see a little bit more of Jesus. So this week, may the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at encouragementcafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time.